So the title of my sermon this evening is How Many Days Are Left? And I want to be clear, this is nothing to do with the end of the semester. Uh, it is partly about the fact that the countdown to Christmas has already begun, even though it is much to my chagrin, and we are not even at Thanksgiving yet, and we cannot count down to Christmas until at least after Thanksgiving. Advent, folks, Advent. That is what the season's all about. I'm going to set that aside for a minute. Compose myself. So it was the day after Halloween that I was buying leftover, when I was buying uh, leftover Halloween candy for the AU Lounge over at National that I saw some employees putting together the Christmas displays. And there were even a few places uh, before that that were beginning to put out Christmas stuff like Costco, which was doing it like in September. And of course, Christmas Music Channel started on XM Radio, and the Hallmark Channel Christmas movie showing extravaganza began on November 1st. And we're not even at Thanksgiving yet. The countdown has already begun. The waiting and anticipating of Christmas has begun. Um, and in actuality, we're not that far away from it. It's actually 36 days from today, or six weeks from today is Christmas. If you can believe that. But that also means we have over a month of waiting and anticipating. And waiting and anticipating isn't always such a bad thing. Advent, after all, is, that's the whole purpose of Advent, is to prepare our hearts to be in the waiting and anticipating of the coming of the light of Christ once again in the form of the Christ child. That is what that whole four-week season is designed to do, is to prepare our hearts. But what bothers me about starting Christmas so early, or this waiting for Christmas, is uh, we're spending all of this time waiting anticipating. And even in our waiting, we're not waiting, we're busy. Because, you know, as soon as we get back from uh, Thanksgiving break, we're going to be moving into the Christmas party season, which um, maybe this isn't the case for students. But uh, as someone who's worked in a local church, I can tell you every Saturday of December, except for the one right before Christmas, is Christmas party weekend. And everybody wants to have a Christmas party. And if you try to schedule one, you're guaranteed to counter program somebody else's Christmas party, and it is very stressful when you're the pastor and you don't want to offend anybody. Uh, that's another issue, though. So there's this busyness and this waiting going on all at the same time. It's a lot like our regular lives, actually, in that um, we begin to become pulled and uh, there's this rushing on to the next thing. We are rushing full swing into Christmas as soon as Thanksgiving Day happens. Because if you um, watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, you'll know the very last part of the Thanksgiving Day Parade is Santa Claus. And people haven't even eaten their turkey yet. It's not Christmas yet. I don't know if you can tell, this really bugs me. I really like to keep Christmas in its proper place. Uh, I heard a joke recently that it wasn't, um, that if there was a war on Christmas, it was uh, Halloween uh, and Thanksgiving, uh, I'm messing this up, never mind. <laughs> Get back to me, it was really funny, it was really funny, trust me. 
Uh, that's what happens when I, I try to ad-lib things that aren't in the sermon. Uh, so anyway, life begins to pull at us. Uh, there's this rushing on to the next immediate deadline and yet waiting to arrive at our next long-term goal. Sometimes college, I imagine, can feel like that because, well, I was there and I remember seminary feeling like that as well. It was this, I'm, the long-term goal was to graduate, but it also was like I have this assignment due Friday. And so I'm both rushing and waiting all at the same time. But they both create about the same effect, which is missing or maybe not appreciating the days right in front of us. Father Michel Quist, I believe is how you pronounce his name, uh, was a French Catholic priest who was in ministry from uh, pretty much World War II when he was ordained until his death in 1997. And one of the things he's most known for is a devotional book entitled Prayers of Life, which he completed on his 30th birthday, which just astounds me that he wrote this book. And when you hear this prayer, you're going to be like, wow, I want to do something like that by the time I'm 30. And some of us are already past 30 and feel like we haven't done anything, but we'll, it's a, another life goal thing. So one of the poems that uh, he wrote in this is called Lord, I Have Time. And part of it goes like this. I went out, Lord. People were coming and going, walking and running. Everything was rushing. Cars, trucks, the street, the whole town. People were rushing not to waste time. They were rushing after time to catch up with time, to gain time. A goodbye, sir. Excuse me, I haven't time. I'll come back. I can't wait. I haven't time. I must end this letter. I haven't time. I'd love to help you, but I haven't time. I can't accept, I have no time. I can't think, I can't read, I'm swamped, I haven't time. I'd like to pray, but I haven't time. Lord, you've made a big mistake in your calculations. There's a big mistake somewhere. The hours are short, the days are short, the li our lives are too short, our lives are so short. Where can I find the time? You know, and I'll feel some anxiety in that. Uh, there's never enough time. Father Quist is writing about this same tension that I was just mentioning, lamenting the lack of time we have as we are so busy getting somewhere, rushing and waiting simultaneously. And the psalm that is our scripture for this evening would actually agree with that. It would agree with the idea of lacking time. Verses 3 and 4 say, You turn us back to dust, and you say, Turn back, you mortals. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday, when it is past, or like a watch in the night. Let me say that again. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday, or like a watch in the night. Now this soul, psalm attributed to Moses is reminding us that the God who created the universe created everything before the mountains were brought forth, but from everlasting to everlasting is, was, and shall be forever. The God who creates everything. Well, our lives compared to God and God's time are like nothing. In that our lives pass in the blink of God's eye. In the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of the universe, in the grand scheme of our own human, human known time, our lives are nothing. And they pass by like this. 
We don't really have much time. Except that we do when we're counting it. When we slow down and notice every day that is laying before us. And when we invite God, as the psalmist says, to teach us to count our days. Take this for example. The average person lives around 30,000 days, which may not sound alike a lot, but uh, if you're 19 years old right now, you have lived a little less than 7,000 days. So if your whole life is going to be 30,000 days, you've lived less than 20% of your life. And 80% of your life is still to come. In the, timelessness, in the timeless time of infinite God, of course, that is nothing. But then that finite amount of time counts even more because it is so finite. Its value inherently increases because it is limited. The less of something there is, the more there is a value to it. You see, counting our days is not about knowing the exact number because that's not where its value lies. It's not like going around and counting how much money you have and knowing how, exactly how much you have to spend that makes it valuable. It's instead being aware of our frailty and that our days are not limitless. That even one day, that, that one day, even if we live another hundred years from today, our lives here on earth will come to an end. All of us at some point will die. Most of us, it probably won't be for a very long time. But we also have a limited number of days. And because it is limited, that makes those days precious. Every day, a precious gift of God. And that's how we must see each day then. If we're counting our days, we're seeing them as a precious gift, something to treasure, something to be cherished and used wisely. And when we can truly do this, it takes the wind out of the hurry up and go and, and get to whatever is next, as well as the time we spend waiting, because we come to realize that both of those devalue the time we have. When we're so busy rushing past we miss the things in front of us. And when we're sitting waiting, we take away from the value of that moment. And we miss this wonderful gift of life that we've been given. Not to say that we don't all do that from time to time, or that it's necessarily wrong to do those things. It's more that God is just calling us to recognize this is a gift you've been given. Each and every day is a precious gift. Every day we can breathe. Every day we can wake up and go out and do is a precious gift. Now once we come to the point of counting our days, we can begin to realize that God has gifted each one of us with time for such a time as this. Whatever this time might be. It's one of those churchy things we say, for such a time as this. And what it basically means is, for such a time as this. This time, this moment that I'm in right now, God has called me because I am here. And it doesn't matter what exactly it is God is calling you to, wherever you are right now is where you are calling to be for such a time as this. 
God has gifted you and called you. God has given us these days and given us our own gifts that we can go out into the world and be a reflection of God's love. We've been given gifts that allow us to challenge systems of power and oppression. We've been given gifts to create and renew. We've been given gifts to nurture and cherish. We've been given gifts to love and lift up. Each and every one of us given gifts that can be used today because we've also been gifted with this very day. Not only have we been given gifts for our days, but and, and not only have we been given gifts for our days, but we realize that we are a part of a much bigger story. The story of God's creation. And that we've been uniquely gifted to play our role in the grand scheme of God's unfolding story. And not in some burdensome way, like, oh my gosh, I have to play a role in God's story, but in a, oh my gosh, I get the privilege of being a part of God's story because God has given me this day and given me these gifts and I have been called to go and do. And these are the things that I am being called into and I get to be a part of this grand thing that God set in motion so many years ago. God set in motion this thing and has invited me to be a part of it. Me. And God has gifted me with ways in which I'm the only person uniquely that can do the things that I do. And so we become co-creators with God, working right alongside God, a valuable contributor in God's everlasting, and as the song says, creators of justice and joy and creators of mercy and peace. And I'll admit that sometimes I feel rather insignificant, especially when I start to think about all of the things in the world that I want to fix. Um, or wish I had the understanding to even begin to address all of the problems of the world, all of the many things. One of the big ones I used to talk about at my last church, because we did a lot of um, food-based ministries where we were literally feeding our community, was how much I loved doing that and yet felt so, and I would never change anything that we were doing, but it felt so almost pointless because no matter how many folks we saw leave uh, from coming to our food pantry because they found security and found jobs or found um, a community or they were able to uh, begin to provide all of their own food, there were always others. And there were so many homeless people in downtown Silver Spring and there was so much of this need in the community and it didn't matter how much we did or how many new ideas we came up with or even if we had, if we had an infinite amount of money, it didn't seem like it was ever going to be enough because as soon as we solved one problem, there was always another and another and another. And that can start to make us feel pretty small. What can I do? How can I make a difference? I am but so small and my time is so limited. But then I'm reminded of this idea that I have been gifted today. And I would not have been given this incredibly valuable day if I had no purpose to play in the world. 
God has invited us to remember to count our days so that we remember that we've been given the time to change the world, to love one another as God first loved us. I'm so small, but I play a part. And I might not ever know how I play a role in other things that will happen on down the line, maybe even after my life is long over. But I get to play a part. And I'm going to make even if it's just a little difference. Because I guarantee you to those families that we provided a Thanksgiving meal to uh, when Thanksgiving came around, the 10 families, because that's about all we could really muster up because we gave them a really huge basket. But we gave 10 families really huge baskets that provided everything for a Thanksgiving meal. I guarantee you for those families, it was all the difference in the world. Even if just for one day. Or even one week, because, you know, leftovers. <laughs> God has called us to be a part, to make use of this very valuable day. I want to leave you with the words of the poem that I started with earlier, uh, but this is the end of the poem. So the first part was a little frantic and a little... I mean, I read it that way so you would feel a little like anxious about it, but um, I probably could have read it a little different, but I wanted you to feel that way. But I want you to hear how this one is different. Um, and, and I invite you to even use this as a moment of prayer. Lord, I have time. I have plenty of time. All the time that you give me the years of my life, the days of my years, the hours of my days, they are all mine, mine to fill quietly, calmly, but to fill completely up to the brim, to offer them to you, that of their insipid water, you make a rich wine such as you made once in Canaan of Galilee. I'm not asking you tonight, Lord, for time to do this and that, but your grace to do conscientiously in the time that you give me whatever you want me to do. Amen.